0: Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. We are the Borg, and you are listening to the biggest little show of this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Truck Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. You will listen. Resistance is futile. You must comply.
1: command special office on the edge of the badlands. It's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Greetings everyone. Welcome to the Trek Geeks podcast. I'm your co-host Bill Smith and wow, it's been a long time since I've said those words. I uh, I feel like it's been about 6 weeks or so because that's exactly how long it's been. We had a little break at the holidays and um, I usually take the first couple of weeks of January off simply just to give ourselves a little uh, relaxation in the schedule. And then Dan and I said, Oh yeah, we got to record a podcast. So um, of course I've mentioned his name. I may as well bring him in at this point. If there was a way to strand him 70,000 light years from home, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like Janeway, I would have blown that caretaker to bits He is the largely strandable Dan Davidson. Dan, happy new year, buddy. And by the way, happy fifth birthday to Trek geeks
0: yes it's uh, thanks man I um, strandable uh, I like that highly strandable like highly that. strandable yes I, I appreciate that no I, it's good to be here happy birthday to you uh, for your wonderful idea now five years old and and uh, just so much fun to be here every week except the last six weeks that I'm actually here um, <laughs> but it's good to be back man you know it's I've been looking forward to sitting down in the chair and recording again uh, with some happy thoughts and some some good vibes of, of Star Trek so much good stuff in Star Trek going on right now, so I'm glad we're here to, to talk about a very special time in Star Trek right now, actually. It really is. All year long throughout 2020, we're going to be
1: celebrating the 25th anniversary of Star Trek Voyager, which premiered this month back in uh, 1995. It's it's very exciting time. Obviously, STLV is going to have a high Voyager presence. Star Trek The Cruise already has a high Voyager presence coming up in March, but we're going to be celebrating all year long, much like we have for TNG and Deep... TNG and Deep Space Nine. Try to say that ten times fast. and um, I, I think it's going to be some great stuff. Uh, more theater skippets this year, which people have been looking forward to. We kind of took a year off from God. theater skippets. Um, but uh, we're going to be back with, those in, with a vengeance pretty soon. But Dan, in the meantime... For people to send us their thoughts about Star Trek Voyager or the fact that we just left them high and dry for six weeks, uh, how might they get in touch with us?
0: Well, it's uh, it's easy to do so, man. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a plethora of ways to communicate with your two favorite geeks. Let's see, there's Skype chat, there's email, there's Voicemail by way of that big blue button using speak pipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, make it so because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook, and that is, of course, Camp Kittimer. It's our official group, and there's over 1,600 other friends there now to gather and talk Trek. It is always positive with no bashing or gatekeeping ever allowed. To join the group, just head on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running that camp. Also, please remember that any comments or messages, leave in any of these places the they episode. Bill? Great
1: job, Dan, as always. Uh, it's amazing. After five years, you've got all that stuff memorized. No, you don't. No, not at all. <laughs> no.
0: Remember when so, I couldn't do the number?
1: Uh, Yeah, it was just a couple of weeks ago, quite honestly. Um, So, yeah, we have a few items that we want to talk about before we get into uh, the next segment. The first of which is you may have noticed that Trek Geeks has moved to Wednesdays for our Mm -hmm. drop day. Um, You know, uh, Dan and I looked at the schedule and said we got a lot going on. And Wednesdays are probably a little more convenient as far as getting the episodes out. So for the first time in four and a half years, we're changing the drop day from Tuesday to Wednesday. Same show. The same two idiots behind microphones, different day. So uh, just one day later, and that starts this week. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, Trek Geeks Picard Live debuted this past weekend, live streaming on YouTube and Facebook Sunday nights at 8 p.m. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel and get notifications on when it's going to happen, or always check out the Trek Geeks Facebook page. Barry DeFord did one hell of a job this past weekend breaking down the first episode of Star Trek Picard, And, uh, we can't wait to see what he has planned for episode two and onward. And then lastly, there have been a lot of new folks discovering Trek geeks in the last few weeks, especially on social media. The first thing that Dan and I want to say to you is welcome. Yes. We're incredibly glad you're here. And, um, if you want a place to celebrate your fandom, uh, no matter what it involves, with regard to Star Trek, if you love one series and not the others, you're a fan. If you love all the series, you're a fan. But we're not here to tell you what to like or dislike. We're here to celebrate it all. So, Dan, um, welcome to everybody. Let's yeah. let's love some Trek together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's still amazing for me to, to to think that we're just two guys sitting in front of a microphone for the last five years talking Trek and we have all of these people that listen and follow us on social media. We truly appreciate it and I got to say, Bill and I are going to be the first people that are going to shut down any of the gatekeeping crap that takes place. We do not permit it uh, on Camp Kittimer. We don't allow it in our in our Twitter feed. We respect um, the IP. We respect people's opinions, and we will never change in doing that. It's one of the most important things is to remember that it is your fandom, and you are there to celebrate what you like. So welcome aboard. It is going to be a fun ride. Looking forward to it.
1: We are Starfleet, and we are all Starfleet. And uh, let's just, let's have some fun. Yeah, you know, it's been a long time since I've said these words, and I'm really looking forward to it. I can tell you're chomping at the bit, so here we go. Dan, it's time for the news from Treknews.net. <laughs> Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> for all the news on all the Star Trek. <laughs> it's Treknews.net. <laughs> online at treknews.net i don't i don't know where you get these ideas i really don't (laughs) yeah yeah it just happens first up dan you know of course the star trek world is a buzz with the premiere of star trek picard recently and while only episode one has been released there's already big news for season two
0: season two I like the sound of that, man. Yeah. As many already know, Star Trek Picard has already been renewed for its second season, and it happened before the first episode of season one even aired. And last week, while doing all the uh, talk shows to promote uh, Star Trek Picard, Sir Patrick Stewart was on The View and had a very special invitation for one of the hosts. And during his segment, uh, he said that he was there to relay an invitation from Alex Kurtzman himself and the rest of the executives of Star Trek Picard um, to Whoopi Goldberg. Quote, we want to invite you into the second season, he said. And after thunderous applause, Whoopi accepted and told everyone that Star Trek was one of the greatest experiences of her career. Stewart then wrapped up by saying, quote, "It it was wonderful having you and we cannot wait to have you with us one more time, end quote. Anybody who has not seen the clip, check it out on The View's Twitter feed. It really is pretty incredible, and I'm very excited about that.
1: I am, too. I hope we finally get some context as to what Guinan and Picard mean to each other. Yeah. Um, We know Guinan is hundreds of years old. We know Picard at uh, the—apparently at the beginning of Star Trek, Picard, Picard is supposed to be 94 years old. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've been reading that multiple places. And even Michael Shabon has agreed with that. So that actually adds a whole lot more context. I'm fascinated by that aspect. But I think it's going to be great to see Whoopi again. Um, It's long overdue. We haven't seen her since generations, right?
0: I believe that is correct. Yes.
1: Yep. Uh, That's uh, I'm glad we're fixing that because it's time. Yeah, so I think it'll be great. Also, Dan, we're very excited to be part of a campaign to promote a new book from a friend of ours who just happens to be a New York Times bestselling author.
0: I love that phrase. You know, I can't tell you how much I am anticipating this book, man. And and when we saw the material that we were going to be releasing as part of this promotion campaign, I became even more excited. Yes, our good friend Dayton Ward is a very busy man, and his much-anticipated book, Kirk Fu Manual, a Guide to Starfleet's Most Feared Martial Art is now available for pre-order. Uh, with the words of Dayton Ward along with the amazing art by Christian uh, Cornea, this one is sure to be another bestseller. And hey, if you want to see an exclusive Kirk Fu move directly from the Trek Geeks, just head over to our new re-released blog page to get info on, here it comes, the Jimmy Wallbanger. <laughs> As well as a pretty awesome trailer for the book from our friends over at Inside Editions, you know this one's going to be great, and I have a feeling I'll be bringing my copy to STLV for an autograph from Mister Ward. So that means Mister Ward, you better have your over it to STLV this year.
1: Um, yeah, I notice you're not saying that to his face.
0: Uh, your face. Yeah.
1: Y- yeah. No. Yeah, because uh, we're we're hoping he's going to be there. I'm sure he's hoping oh, wow. he's going to be there. Oh, yes. uh, time will tell. And of course, finally, Dan, you know we're still reeling from the loss of Rene O'Berschinois last year and our special memorial episode last week. But we really are happy to see that a new story about Odo is on the horizon. And and this type of story should be piquing the interest of our friend, fellow podcaster and comic book aficionado, Mister Shashankavaru.
0: Yes, uh, my friend, I see a review in the near future over at treknews.net because as we still deal with the loss of Renee, we are very happy to see that IDW Publishing will be releasing a new four-part comic book series focusing in on Constable Odo at Deep Space Nine. Too Long a Sacrifice will be released in April 2020 and will take place during the most crucial and difficult part of the Dominion War. Uh, writers David and Scott Tipton recently discussed the project and said, quote, Too long a sacrifice shows the station during trying times. A series of mysterious and seemingly unavoidable Excuse me, unsolvable terrorist attacks, just as the war has everyone strained to the breaking point. We'll get to see the darker side of life on the station as Odo leads the investigation, with increasingly desperate conditions forcing him and others to deal with new and unexpected allies and to use unusual tactics in their efforts to stop the attacks. You know... Everybody knows that Odo is one of my favorite characters in Star Trek history. So to have this coming out now after we're just dealing with the loss of Renee is something that I'm really looking forward to. There's some great um, uh, images of art uh, out there available for the uh, the covers of Too Long a Sacrifice, and there'll be different kinds of co- different covers for each issue depending on where you get it and and what uh, edition you end up buying. So it's pretty cool.
1: I'm looking forward to this. Some of the the smaller mini series have been really fantastic yeah. from IDW lately. I mean, a lot of their work has been fantastic, but I think that they can tell a cohesive story and not have to worry about um, planning issue after issue after issue. And I, I think there's uh, I think there's been some some fantastic storytelling in some of these smaller arcs. So I'm looking forward to this one. This is one that I'm going to be getting. I know you will too. And uh, um, here's here's some more Odo stories in the future. Well, Dan, as with every episode of Trek Geeks, it's time to talk about our dear friends at Fansets and the truly amazing line of pins and accessories they have available over at Fansets.com.
0: You got it, man. As always, Bill, the folks at Fansets are hard at work designing and creating new pins all the time. As Voyager 25 will be celebrated all year long, you can be sure that some special Voyager pins will be available. And I have it on good authority that we're going to see the new coffee-wielding Janeway pin very, very soon and as we saw last year with Deep Space Nine, we will have a special commemorative Voyager 25 logo pin in short order over at fansets.com. As always, the folks at Fansets are working hard to release two Star Trek pins a month, and they have some real beauty schedule for release during the entire year, man. We've seen them, and we can't wait until they're out there.
1: Well, and it's just not Star Trek either. I mean, now you can get pins from the Big Bang Theory. Harry Potter, Irwin Allen, and coming soon, they're going to offer pins from the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Batman 66, and what they like to call the Horrorverse. <laughs> I know, what you might be really jazzed about. Plus, I mean, a whole lot more. So now, if you want to receive 15% off your entire order at the newly redesigned fansets.com, which looks fantastic, even if you order non-Star Trek stuff, put a whole bunch of it, pins, accessories, the whole 9 in your cart, and enter the discount code Voyager at checkout. That's V O Y A G E R in all capital letters. Um, this bonus code is going to get you fifteen percent off and be available until Tuesday, February fourth, twenty twenty, at midnight Eastern Standard Time.
0: FanSets, our pins have character, and we thank our friends at FanSets for sponsoring this week's episode.
1: Well, Dan, here we are, twenty five years hence. Wow the the premiere of the second Next Gen spinoff, of course, I speak of Star Trek Voyager, um, which launched its own television network.
0: Yes, I remember you know, that.
1: It's amazing to think that, you know, people complain about Discovery launching a a, a a subscription service or people complain about the fact that Next Gen was in syndication back in the day and wasn't on regular network television. Um, and, and you look at the fact that Voyager was used to springboard an entire network that a portion of which is still in existence today is the cw and um, 25 years later, um, Voyager is really the only remnant that survived
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 's true and here in New England it was upN 38 if I remember correctly, and that was uh, something that I was very excited about. I, I think I was I was very intrigued about this whole idea of a of a network in itself. But the only thing that I was really interested on the network was Voyager. So
1: January sixteenth, two thousand five, uh, Voyager had the the primetime eight pm slot because primetime on UPN was only eight to ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause the news at 10 started on most UPN stations. Right. Um, do you remember watching the premiere of Voyager? Yep.
0: I do remember it. <laughs> so, so finally we, you remember one. Yeah, I do. And I'm like, what the hell are we? Why is there a guy dressed like a farmer playing a banjo on this porch? You I, mean, I was just like, I was like, what the hell is going on? Really? Here? Yeah, it was just, it was weird to me. I was, and, and I remember the, 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 the desert and the bright lights and people climbing up out of the hole in the ground and stuff. It just was like, this is, this is freaky.
1: I thought there were elements of the premiere that were very reminiscent of the original series. Really? Um, yeah. Especially like the whole farmhouse thing.
0: That just, that one, that was the one that got me.
1: Um, I actually, I love that. I love those set of scenes there, you know, where they beam down with all the phasers and stuff and there's a dude with a pitchfork and he's like, "Um, hey, what's going on? Uh, (laughs) But I think that the thing that impressed me the most about Voyager's premiere is that the episode itself was rock solid. I mean, after Deep Space Nine, of course, you know, we both had a huge love affair with Deep Space Nine. I wasn't quite sure what to expect when Voyager premiered. And I have to say that Caretaker is probably one of the stronger pilots for all of the Trek series.
0: I have a greater appreciation for it now than I used to. I used to not really like Caretaker as a, um, as a premiere for a Star Trek series. But I have a much better appreciation for it now. There's a lot of elements that I really didn't focus in on when I was younger. Um, and in my old age, I have grown to appreciate things a lot more. I like um, how they introduced all of the different crew members and, and this whole Maquis versus the Federation, which became kind of a big thing with, with DS9. And, and, of course, it was hatched with TNG. But to be able to really – the entire idea of the show was because of the Maquis and the Federation. So if it wasn't for those that conflict, this show would have never even happened.
1: No, it's 100% true. They took the time to introduce the Maquis on Deep Space Nine in a two-part episode. Oddly enough, called the Maquis. Go figure. Um, and clearly it was to set the premise for Voyager, but it needed to have some some real world effects or some, some Trek world effects, if you will, throughout the quadrant. And I think that they accomplished that rather well. Um, I, I was fascinated by them making the decision to merge the two crews together the way they did because I thought it, it could have provided a little more tension, drama, what have you, if they had left them together but not blended
0: i never i never thought the blending was going to work and i was very surprised that it worked as quickly as it did when you think about these two people that have or these two groups of people that have vastly different philosophies on how um, things should have been dealt with when it came to the Cardassians, and to then be you know they're thrust into this this predicament where they're where they're forced to live together but they decide that, okay, we're going to blend out together, but we're going to go Starfleet's way and not your way, Maki, so you're going to have to deal with that. And they were like, yeah, uh, we don't like that, but okay. And it, it seemed to be pretty quick before everybody was fine with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it it really did kind of evaporate the tension pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I suppose at some point they had to find a way to get along. Right. Um, it just happened sooner than really the rest of us thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated the way they took the time to introduce the Starfleet characters and then, uh, catching up to the Maquis and, and then the, the problem they all faced together, which was, you know, being stranded, you know, 65, 70,000 light years from home. Um, and then what that did to them long-term, I really liked the fact that Chakotay wound up being the first officer. And of course I said his name, so I have to go. Kuchimoto. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um I appreciated that that he was the first officer because as I discovered in our first officer smackdown a couple of years yeah. ago I actually thought he probably was among the best of the first officers
0: which surprised me. I mean we always joke about about we call him mumbles and and stuff like that but he really was the he was the glue that kept the crews together. I mean he was he understood the responsibility that he had to Janeway, but he also respected what the Maquis stood for, and he had to do a very delicate balance, and I think he did it in a very admirable way. Um, not that he ever made Admiral that we know of, but uh, you can laugh at that. that was-
1: it, that's. I didn't laugh because it wasn't funny. All right. I didn't
0: think it was funny. <laughs> uh, one of the things I will say, we'll get back on, on on that topic in just a second. One of the things that I really did appreciate it, you said it a minute ago, is how they introduced the crew. I like the ways that they introduced these the crew members. I like the fact that they had Deep Space Nine as their stopping point. I really liked how they were able to bring that in. Sort of like when they brought Picard in in the opening uh, episode of Deep Space Nine. I thought that was good. I always kind of wished that, paris was nick lucarno from the first duty episode of tng and i think we've talked about this before i thought that at first of course watching the show and 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 getting to know the character of tom paris i'm glad it was the way it was but that was something that was always um in my mind and i liked the uncertainty um of the crew except for tuvok there's no uncertainty about that guy and he was one of my favorites right off the bat
1: You know, it's interesting because I wasn't sure what to make of Tuvok because really he was the first Vulcan series regular since Spock at that time. And I I think that in my own mind, I was looking for a little more Leonard Nimoy. And that was wrong of me because, I mean, Tim Russ is not Leonard Nimoy. Right. And it wasn't until I I recently finished watching Voyager, as we talked about in the – the, uh, the completest episode that we did, that I really developed an appreciation for that character. I think Tuvok is, is probably one of the best Vulcans ever written. I think he gets far more depth than Spock gets in TOS. Um, he is a very layered and context, context-driven character. And I didn't appreciate the conflicts within Tuvok um, that were native because, I mean, he's not half human. Until I watched the entire series, and I, Tim Russ really just knocks that whole performance out of the park over
0: seven seasons. He he does. He's he's one of the strongest um, cast members out of all of them. I every episode with them. Of course, there there are a couple clunker episodes of Voyager, no doubt, and there are a couple of things that Tuvok um, related stories might not be. You know ones that we'll remember as some of the best trek ever, but Tim Russ is always is always great on screen and I always liked what he brought to the character. You're very you're right when you say it, Bill. It's it was weird to be dealing with a a one hundred percent Vulcan for the first time all the time. You know, we'd yeah. seen Vulcans as guests and, and and whatnot, but never a cast member that was gonna be seen every week and head of security uh, also. Um, which I thought was an interesting role for, uh, for him, or that actually his title, not I think of it or was a yeah no he was the he was the security yeah. chief yeah yeah so um, tactical yeah. officer security yeah. chief yep. um, so I, I loved what I loved what his character brought I loved one of the things I loved the most was the deep bond that he and Janeway always had and I think that stands out most in um, a year of hell when when he's blinded and uh they're saying goodbye to each other. I think that's yeah. one of the strongest moments between the two characters in the entire series. So it it um it, it's amazing to think that it's been 25 years since they first launched, but it feels like they were um they were only together in the journey for 7 years, but it feels so much longer, doesn't it?
1: It really does. I I I still kind of marvel at the fact that it was only 7 seasons because um I feel like they went through they went through a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, every show goes through a lot because there's seven seasons at this point in Star Trek's history, but I feel like they endured far more than most crews would have had to simply because of the situation they were in. I think one of the things that surprises me about this is it took them a long time to come up with these characters. On the, uh, the season one special features, Jerry Taylor um, on the DVDs talks about how Uh, it took them weeks and weeks even to come up with a cast of characters because they found so many wonderful characters had already been done and they didn't want to repeat themselves. They come up with an idea and say, no, that's too much data or no, that's too much Odo or that's too much like Worf. And you look at the characters they came up with and they are really nothing like any of the other shows. So I I really have to tip my hat to all of them because it would have been really easy to retread some ground now with this second TNG spinoff. And it just, it didn't happen
0: no I, I i don't disagree with you and but it's funny when you sit back and think about the character development and and what they did i think they made the right choice in in doing things the way that they did yeah uh, because it really made for you know it made for something special this was the first time that they they were going to have a star trek show that wasn't tied to the star trek universe as we know it they're going to be 70,000 light years away they're going to have to deal with new things this was this was kind of, in some weird way, and, and and please let me know if you don't agree with this. This is kind of the way back 25 years ago to get away from canon the way that Discovery Season 2 just did um, to get away from canon. Um, I hadn't thought some, about that. In some aspects. I mean, there's still Starfleet and there's still the rules and everything, but they were able to do some things and we see things that we weren't used to in the Star Trek universe at that point.
1: Well, I think I even made the comment on Discovering Trek, or you made the comment, one of us made it that it kind of adds a Voyager quality to season three of discovery. Um, and I I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I, whereas Kurtzman said they were trying to get away from Canon. I think that, um, Berman probably didn't care. That's a good point. Maybe I'm putting that the wrong way. I just, I don't think that concerned him. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: I don't know. and, And as it shouldn't, I mean, as a good writer, you don't have to worry about stuff like that.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, you know, with, with a great writing team, you can, you know, navigate the whole way. Um, look at some of the great writers discovery had season one and they were able to tell a fresh story while right. still adhering to the canon of the universe. That's true. But anyway, back to Voyager, Voyager 25. Uh, yeah. The, I'm still blown away. It's the 25th God, anniversary. God. Cause I remember being at my friend's house, she had a watch party and I was there and we sat in her living room, watching it on her big screen TV. And uh, I was like, damn. You know it's funny. What's up?
0: We were both 25 when it aired 25 years ago.
1: Yeah, I don't remind me. Voyager's been around for half our lives.
0: Oh my God. Now I'm old.
1: You're old. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the characters and, and maybe some of our first thoughts regarding them. And uh, I guess I have to start with Janeway and I, I kind of want to go first. Um, even though it took me a long time to finish watching Voyager, I had a respect of Catherine Janeway from the get-go because she clearly was a leader who cared about the people under her command and cared about upholding what Starfleet was about.
0: Right. I always had a tremendous respect for Janeway for two reasons. And and I say this tongue in cheek, but I'm really serious about it. One, her dog, love right. her dog. Yep. And two, the one scene where she's getting ready to leave and she's talking through a, through a pad to her, her fiance. And he says, I can't remember the exact word, but she goes, Hey, And she pulls the pad right up to her face and says, you're never a a bother or a trouble or something like that. Just the way that she says that line to her boyfriend or fiance, Mark, I think it is. Yep. It's just something I'm like, she's going to be a cool character. I'm really going to like her. But she knows when she has to tap the badge, so to speak, and be the captain. And she knows when she has to be a mother. And she knows when she has to be the person to let the people argue or fight. I really like, she has so many layers and so many responsibilities that other Starfleet captains don't have because they're not stranded 70,000 light years away with two fighting crews. And she just always nailed it. And, and I didn't appreciate that at the beginning.
1: Hashtag tap the badge.
0: Tap the badge.
1: That's a, that's a phrase that, that, that we could use again someday. That's, that's not bad. I like it. After five years, you've had one good phrase. That's awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I can respect all of that. I, plus, I mean, I have to give all the credit in the world to Kate Mulgrew. I mean, obviously, if it's not on the page, it doesn't make the screen, but it's her interpretation of those words, I think, that makes all the difference in the world. She created a, a, a an incredibly layered and multidimensional character, even in that pilot. And it, I think that's the reason why it gets off on the right foot. I think it really starts at the top in this case.
0: Just look at the way she talks to Paris when when she goes down to uh, uh, Australia or or Botany Bay or wherever the hell he <laughs> uh, but just the way that she 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 she's kind of she's kind of not wanting to be there but kind of wanting to be there to see what happens you know she knows Admiral Paris and it just it just works and and like I said I I appreciate the character and have always appreciated it. The problem that I have with myself is that I didn't appreciate the show back then as much as I should have when I first watch it as I do now.
1: And we apologize to all of our listeners in New Zealand (laughs) um, because the penal colony is in New Zealand, New Zealand. I knew it was down there somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's it was on the the sets of the Lord of the Rings. That's where it was was launched from down in New Zealand. Wasn't (laughs) it? So I was, at least I had the
0: thought in my head.
1: Just just stop. <laughs> just stop. Um, <laughs> I, I think one of the characters I uh, I used to... There was a time in my fandom when I used to make fun of Voyager.
0: Yes, there was.
1: And I, I admit this. Uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. I was wrong. But I used to pick on Harry Kim a lot. Yes, you did. And I have to say, I have done an about face on Harry Kim like you wouldn't believe Because this is going to sound crazy. I think he could be one of my top two favorite characters in Voyager. Really? Yeah.
0: i was not aware of that. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Because uh, although he is brilliant, although he is um, uh, driven, Harry Kim embodies hope. Everything about Harry Kim is hope, hope to get home, hope that he gets to see his family, hope that he gets to see his girlfriend. Loaded. Ho- <laughs> I didn't see a little box on my chair. Um, but everything about him is, is, is hopeful for the future. And I mean, that's what Star Trek is about. In a way, at least in, in the first, you know, at least definitely in the first season, Harry Kim is us. Awesome. You know, Harry Kim I, is is very much us, and I think that's why I've t- I've taken to him so strongly.
0: I can agree to that. I don't think I have the strongest connection with him as you do. I'll tell you though, the episode that changed it for me, where I have a much greater respect for him, is of course "Timeless." Absolutely, where you see what he goes through in order to fix the mistake that he made, the emotion uh, that Garrett has in that episode is just over the top, and. Uh, on the on the on the other side of that coin, sometimes his want to get home clouded his judgment, as we saw in um, uh, when they were trying to go through the the pass, the, the Northwest Passage, as they call it. He didn't care what was there; he wanted to get through it. Right, and that was it. and uh, so it was a, it was a double edged sword. But um, it's I I never knew that you felt that way about Harry, man. Even to this day, that was a that was a shock to me that you just said that.
1: I I think it's a a realization I've come to since I finished Voyager, really. Um, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about it. I mean, all those characters are are fairly special, but I think that, I think Harry speaks to me the most, you know, as, as me, because I mean, he's, he's not as annoying as Wesley Crusher and that's not Will Wheaton's fault. That's the writing's fault. Um, he, he serves consistently and never once asks what's in it for him. Except the one time he said, I didn't see a box on my chair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and never gets promoted. I mean, he's doing some some pretty kick ass work. You know, he's in a way, he's kind of the unsung hero in many episodes. And I, I have a very vast appreciation for Harry Kim. I gotta say, I used to dog on Neelix a lot too.
0: A lot of dogging.
1: A lot of dogging on Neelix. And I have to say that I actually really like I, I really like Neelix.
0: He I think that he was originally he was the comic relief is the wrong word he was the he was the the joke of the of the cast I I I think unfortunately he was like okay, he's going to be this funny looking guy he's going to be in the he's going to become the cook he's it just it just didn't seem at first, that they gave this character any seriousness. But then they had some serious episodes with him, and that changed a lot of people's perspectives. And um, I'm glad it did. I mean, we've joked about him. I mean, we joke about him to this day, some of the things, some of the Neelix things. The, the Yeah, the lungs, losing his lungs and 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 being a drunk Klingon, which was kind of the weirdest thing <laughs> in your life. But um, it, it's amazing that you can have a character that is created for a show, and on paper it might be one thing. But once you put the right actor into the role, it becomes something entirely different. And I give all the props in the world to Ethan, for, to Ethan for what he was able to do with that character based on what they, I think, originally had for him, especially in season one.
1: The thing that I really appreciate about him is that Neelix evolved right before our eyes. You know, he was the guide at first and the chef. And when they got to a point where they had gone past where he had ever been, he really had some anxiety as to, well, they don't need me anymore. They could just exactly. cut me loose. And it says a lot to Janeway that she valued his presence and their relationship so much that, you know, she's just like essentially, dude, what are you talking about? You're part of this crew. And Rally. he was, yeah, yeah. And he was, and I, the episode where Neelix leaves, Really, I was kind of bumped because I was yeah. hoping he'd go back to Earth with them all. Um, but I totally understood why he didn't. I thought the way that they got him off the ship was actually pretty good.
0: I thought it was fantastic. And, and I talked a little while ago about the Tuvok Janeway moment that really defines their relationship in Year of Hell. The Tuvok Neelix moment when Neelix leaves is another one when Tuvok tap dance, or taps his foot to dance. That shows the respect that he had. That's a Quark Odo type thing. That you I was never just saw.
1: gonna say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say. I think it for me it, it rivals the Quark Odo relationship. And honestly, I think it's a better friendship overall than than uh, than Kim and Paris. Although Kim and Paris was always in your face, kind of like O'Brien and Bashir. Um, I thought that the Tuvok Neelix Neelix dynamic was far more um, heartwarming and entertaining.
0: And very entertaining, and I think it was a holodeck thing, but what episode was it when Neelix was trying to make him smile and he was, like, pushing his lip up? <laughs> I just think of that, I start cracking up. That was a good one.
1: I can see you doing that from time to time.
0: <laughs> I'm going to do that to you at work tomorrow. Don't aware. ever touch
1: my face. <laughs> I think one of the characters that I think got short shrift and uh, really, I mean, was just wasted was Cass.
0: I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Uh, I, I, you know, in the first couple of seasons, I really like Kes. I like what she meant for Neelix. I like what she meant for the crew. I like the position that she puts Janeway in sort of having to be a pseudo mom of sorts. Um, Because, you know, Kes has this lifespan that is incredibly short. And I thought that that could bring some real drama and, and sadness to the crew at some point. And I thought that it was a potential that was just absolutely wasted.
0: I was, unfortunately, and I don't mean to speak ill will of anybody, I was never a Kes fan, never have been, and yeah. I don't think it ever will be. And and I've been working on, um, we're going to be doing um, season two of See It or Skip It pretty soon, and and you're going to hear that again. You're going to hear yeah. that. Kess, it was it was a Kess story, and it was a wasted Kess story. I thought it was I just, and it's unfortunate. And and oh God, I don't want to sound mean, but it, it, for me, and it's just for me, and I could be wrong, and I apologize if I offend anybody. It wasn't just the writing. I really have had a hard time with with Jennifer's performance as Kess. I've really never grasped that character, and I don't know if it's because there was nothing to give her for the writers, or if she just wasn't right for the role. I don't know, but it, it, she's just a character that I never really had any love for, I guess. Sorry I, to say.
1: No, no, I don't think you should be sorry about that at all. I looked at Kat, Cass as having this sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an ethereal quality of sorts. Sort of extremely delicate in a way that almost seems to... Uh, too right or too perfect for the world she was in, and I think that's really true of her presence on Voyager. I think it's true of her presence in Neelix's life. I think it's true of her leaving uh, the Ocampons. You know, she just had this sort of, uh, sort of ethereal, sort of mysterious quality. But I think a lot of what failed the character of Cass was the writing more so than it was the performance of Jennifer Lean. I, I think that if they had actually developed that character into something worth watching i think that jennifer would have carried that out no problem
0: i think one of the things that was upsetting and 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 it's i sound like a hypocrite when i say this is i think they got rid of her to bring in jerry ryan I just the way that the way that she left, and then all of a sudden we had Jerry Ryan to bring in the new, the new era of of the strong female character on the show, um, was kind of a disservice to the work that that Jennifer put in. Even though I was not a fan of the work, and and I say this as a joke and I, as a funny thing, one of the things I could not stand about Kess, and this was what Jennifer did: the way that she walked down the corridors drove me freaking crazy. I couldn't stand it. She like bopped. She's like doo, doo, doo. <laughs> you have issues. I don't know. It's just something I was, every time that we're, Sue and I are watching an episode on H and I when we were back in Maine and she'd be walking down the corridor. I'm like, I can't watch this.
1: <laughs> I feel like there's a requirement to have a hybrid character in every Star Trek now. Yeah. Um, because you get to B'Elanna Taurus and she's half human, half Klingon. Let's see. At this point in Star Trek's history, we've had a half Vulcan, half human. Mm-hmm. We've had a half beta Z half human. Check. Uh, we've had, um, well, if you think about it, because they didn't, we didn't know it at the time. Cisco is half alien, half human. Um, right. uh, I don't think there were any other hybrids on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> um, and then in Voyager, you get a, a a Klingon human hybrid. I almost think that in a way they checked off that box. But Belona Torres as a character was so, so
0: much more. She scared the crap out of me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, especially the one where she separated when she was – when you got to see her – Faces, yeah. Oh, my God. She's like, I'm not getting anywhere near that girl. Um, Yeah, she did such a great job dealing with that internal battle that we hear so many times with the different species like Spock.
1: I love that episode because it's kind of reminiscent of The Enemy Within. Yeah, um, but it's done in such a a new and different way that I thought it was really super cool. And then you get to see Roxanne play both halves of it, yeah. and I thought it was just so well done. You know, it had the the, the potential to just be really kind of lame and just ripping off a Tos episode, but I really think that they accomplished it super well. And and I I, I think that Bellana is the perfect choice for an episode like that of all the hybrid characters because there was that inner conflict within her it was probably more pronounced than Spock because he repressed everything.
0: And her character really grew over the 7 seasons a, a lot and a lot more than some of the other characters and we got to see her, you know, chief engineer and she did so many great things and the relationship with Tom and then having the baby and 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 all these things. It really was a path that I didn't expect to see with a Klingon character um but we did. And I thought, I thought Roxanne did a great job with it. And she, got to, she did direct some Voyager, didn't she? Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure she did.
0: Yeah, she does a good job with that, too. Of course, uh, know she, she of Enterprise.
1: Uh, she's directed a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, Non-Star Trek too. since then has become mm-hmm. quite an in-demand yes. uh, Hollywood director. So that's yep. pretty fantastic. Cool. I have to say that one character that I have just never warmed up to, and that doesn't necessarily mean I hate this character because I don't, but just a character that's never been a favorite of mine is Tom Paris.
0: Yes, I know that you're not a big fan of his. And he's kind of he's kind of the he's he's kind of the jerk of the crew. Uh when you think about it, a lot of the way that he acts that you know, January doesn't like to be called ma'am, so he calls her ma'am for the entire run of the series. And, <laughs> <laughs> but um but no, I can I can understand I can understand why he's like the swashbuckler of the group.
1: No, I see. I don't even think it's that. I think he's the, I think he's the smart ass. Um, and, and this is not a knock on Robbie Duncan McNeil, who is a, a wonderful actor, a, yeah. a fantastic director, and he's yeah. even producing a whole bunch of stuff now. So, I mean, this is certainly not a criticism of him, but just every line that, that Paris has has some sort of sarcastic twinge That's or true. smart ass comment. And I, I was over it by midway through the first season. Um, I I don't like I said I don't hate Paris yep. not by any means, but he's just not my favorite.
0: I'm not a I'm not a gigantic fan of Paris, but I really am a fan of Captain Proton. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not be? <laughs> oh my god, it's so good! I, it, it's amazing. Well, we're talking Voyager twenty five, so we can talk about these different things that encompass the whole seven seasons. That whole adventure is some of the funnest. Television I've ever watched. Yeah, it's so great. It, Doctor Chao- Bright of Chaotica is one of my favorite Star Trek episodes ever. It's so good.
1: It's <laughs> it definitely is good. I mean, it's. You know, there are several polls out there and it often makes the top 10 of Voyager and, and yeah. rightfully so. You know, and that's alongside episodes like Year of Hell Living Witness and Timeless yeah. and, and Latent Image and, and a whole bunch of other amazing episodes. It's good to see that one just sort of sandwiched right in there because it just makes me smile. <laughs> um, I, we've talked about Chakotay. We've talked about Paris, talked about Tuvok. I got to say that the character I had the, the least amount of expectations from was probably the Doctor.
0: And he gave us some of the best storylines out of the whole series.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Picardo is a genius in that role.
1: Bob Picardo shines in Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. He is fantastic. Um, I, I did not have the appreciation for the Doctor that I now have before. And my eyes have been opened. I am woke to the Doctor. I really am. Uh, because he's just a... He's a wonderful character. And he's a wonderful writing experiment about can we make this non uh corp uh, this this non character cuz really he's he's an npc of sorts yeah uh, can we make him a, a sentient life form that's independent and the whole experiment over seven seasons is pretty fantastic
0: here's a here's an interesting um relation that I'm I'm wondering if you're going to be like oh that's interesting i've always thought deep space 9 is our favorite One of the best things that they did on Deep Space Nine was bring the Defiant so that they could go out and explore. One of the best things they did on Voyager is put a hollow emitter on his arm so he could go out and not be in sickbay every week and just be stuck there. I I love that aspect.
1: I have to agree with you. Even though at the time, I thought the idea of the mobile emitter was just weak writing.
0: Uh, mobile. What I say, hollow emitter. I meant mobile emitter. You know.
1: Well, I, you mean. Mean. I knew what you meant, and it, it is. It is a hollow emitter.
0: It's on his arm. It, I thought it was brilliant to be able to do it. Now, sure, you should be able to have those emitters everywhere. I mean, they had them on the Enterprise Discovery Season 2, and they have them on, on other ships. They could be all over the ship theoretically already, but to be able to have that on his arm, so that, and then what happens with it in one particular episode, which I won't really get into too much, and how it pretty much creates a new Borg is pretty awesome in itself.
1: <laughs> I love that his program is so big. You Know that they have a hard time transferring it from one place to another, but he can wear that mobile emitter and it downloads that just fine. I think yeah. it's the 29th century technology. Yeah. Um, yeah. maybe I'm wrong, somewhere uh, around there, but at the time I thought it was just, I'm like, oh, come on, this is just a way to get him off the ship. It's kind of dumb in hindsight. It wasn't dumb at all. It was actually oh, pretty smart.
0: I thought it was pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. He he really did a great job. And I know we also joke about the Seven and, and Doctor singing uh, opera hour all the time, but um, some of his some of his episodes are some of the best. Also, they're great. They're great Star Trek episodes, and they make they make you think about things in yeah. a different way. So
1: they really do. And of course, I mean, I, I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Seven of Nine. You know, um, at the time when Jerry Ryan took that role in season four, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, I was not sold on the concept of this character at all. I thought it was, you know, just a way to bring in ratings. Yep. Um, I thought Absolutely. it was uh, a way to um, uh, really kind of hypersexualize Absolutely. a female character uh, yep. with a cat suit. Yep. And. In the end, what Seven turns out to be is actually a character who is quite human. I never took the time to examine Seven's journey before I did my Voyager rewatch. And I have to say that Jerry Ryan puts on a performance over four seasons that is actually super impressive. It is. Uh, to the point where I am very excited to see this character come back in Star Trek Picard because I want to know where Seven is now.
0: Right it's amazing to see the growth of that character you you said it just a second ago her journey to become human again rivals that of data's yeah in in many aspects i think it she does such a great job and for those of you who want to really just smile from ear to ear for about a minute and a half i just saw recently on twitter or facebook somebody put together a clip on youtube of every single time that jerry White, uh, that jerry ryan as 7 of 9 says Naomi Wildman. And it's one of the best videos you can ever see. And, and it's, it. there's a lot more than you would think. Um, I but, believe uh, it. Yeah, Seven does a great job. And that relationship that she has with the captain is one that I've always found very special as well. Because the captain just would not give up on her.
1: Yeah, and that's a, a quality about Janeway that, that I admire. She doesn't give up on anything yeah. or anybody unless they deserve being... You know, uh, having that, you know, come upon them, like, say, Rudy Ransom. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that guy. He he deserved to be given up on.
0: Unless you're starving.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that was pretty. You almost sound like a pirate.
0: (laughs) Arr, matey.
1: (laughs) But Janeway doesn't give up on Seven, ever. Even when Seven wants to give up on herself.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: And... She helps her discover her humanity. I, and I, th- I think that Janeway was the only person that conceivably could have done that. Um, it gives me a new respect for their relationship together. It gives me a new respect for the abilities of both Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm filled with Voyager love right now. Um, I, I gotta tell you, I'm really looking forward to celebrating this series this year because it's long overdue.
0: It is long overdue. It's still, it's, I still can't wrap my brain around I'm having a harder time wrapping my brain around Voyager 25 than I was for TNG 30. (laughs) Isn't that weird? (laughs) Yes, a little bit. I don't know why, but I I don't know why. Maybe it's because my kids are so much in love with Voyager and and have always thought of that that as their favorite. Maybe that's why it's got such a a place for me right now. So I can't wait for the celebration all year long, man. It's going to be fun. The theater skippets are going to be like, you know no holds barred kid gloves are off it's gonna be rock them sock em robots it's gonna be pretty cool i
1: i think it's been so long since you've done this here skip it you forgot how these work
0: <laughs> oh i thought i was just gonna insult you the whole time no oh that's jerk just, that's a normal podcast
1: <laughs> so do you have a favorite delta quadrant alien species Ooh, that's a good question. Because we're talking about Voyager. Obviously, they spend most of their time in a different quadrant. We meet aliens we have never seen before. Yep. Do you have a favorite alien race that they encountered?
0: I Year of Hell is one of my favorite episodes. I love the Krenim, but there's really not a lot to them. Yeah. I've always found the Hirogen to be very interesting, but I think that they could have done more with them. Um, There was a lot left to be desired, I think, but it was interesting... Um, much like the Ferengi's weird way that their entire society worked around profit, the Hergians' entire society going towards hunting kind of kind of, could be a problem. I think um, so. That was very interesting. Interesting. I could also say eight. I could also say species eight four seven two, but they're not really from that quadrant when you think about it. So um, I don't know. What about you? That's a great question, man. I haven't really given that any thought whatsoever.
1: Uh, my answer has actually been the same over 25 years, believe it or not. Um, because early on, I love the Vidian's. Oh, yeah. Because they are just so creepy and menacing. Gross. Uh, gross, kind of like knows. you. Yes. Um, what? Yeah, no, It's. <laughs> I, thank you for agreeing. Um, I just, I really love the fact that, you know, that they had a problem with their entire race in this phage. Yeah. And the only way to get around it was to essentially steal body parts.
0: If you had said, "Oh my Kazon, god," probably never would have talked to you again.
1: Actually, I don't mind the Kazon. I think oh, they get a bad rap.
0: Oh, I don't like them.
1: I, you know, they're essentially uh, space Klingons uh, in gangs. Yeah,
0: Majicola. <laughs> what? <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't have a problem with the Kazon. I think um, they did hang around too long and they didn't have pack enough teeth.
0: There's only one Kazon that I like, and that was Aaron Eisenberg.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. that's not a bad episode at all. No, not at all. Um, so um, the Borg. Yeah, yeah but they they weren't unique to
0: Voyager. They weren't unique to Voyager, and, we'll, and I, I'm going to ask you this right now here on the Truck Geeks podcast for everybody, so that it's on the record. We should do a why Voyager wussified the Borg episode during the year.
1: We got to stop using the word wussified because one, it's not a word.
0: But it's well, okay. But it's me though, so that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I really don't like that word. Right, um, okay. How Voyager made the Borg less scary? How,
1: how they how they took away the Borg's teeth?
0: Yes. I know.
1: They made them a paper tiger. You would be assimilated. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe it either. Uh, god you gotta st- i thought you were back in rehab this is amazing um so all year long we're going to be talking about various voyager episodes and aspects of voyager and see it or skip it and it's going to be a great year i am super looking forward to stlv this year because i can't wait to show some voyager love um yeah. especially now that i'm all on board and i love voyager
0: i love voyager too and i love you bill
1: shut up what? What? okay
0: <laughs> No, in all seriousness, STLV is going to be great. Um, I know that there's some stuff in London this year that's going to be for Voyager. I think they're going to have a bridge. I hope they have a bridge in STLV, the Voyager Bridge. Even though it's kind of like a kind of weird bridge, it still would be kind of neat.
1: I'm going to go on the record and say I still dislike the Voyager Bridge.
0: I I know you don't like that bridge. (laughs) It's a big square.
1: Everybody faces the view screen. It's a big square, and there's no center seat. There's two seats. I'm sorry. There's one captain. Big couch. Yeah. No, that was the Sona.
0: I was just going to say, wanted i Brian bring in what's-his-name's face or stretch-face guy's couch.
1: Uh, Alex Trebek? <laughs> well, Dan, um, speaking of stretchy faces, we want to thank everybody at Five-Year Mission. You know, uh, since Voyager is Fark's favorite series, we want to thank them for letting us use all the music that, uh, that we do here on Trek Geeks. And, of course, we want to celebrate the fact that they, of course, have their own podcast on the Trek Geeks network, uh, oddly enough, called Five-Year Mission. Who knew? Huh. I know, but we want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums, and then subscribe to their podcast wherever you get podcasts in your ear holes, because you're going to have a great time. Their most recent episode, Dan, they spoke with John Billingsley. I know! From Star Trek Enterprise, Dr. Flox himself, and uh, as you can imagine, (laughs) Mr. Billingsley brought uh, a lot of energy.
0: He is hysterical. Oh, my God. That that is so cool that they got to talk to him. And, uh, yeah, it's great. You know what else? It's great, Bill. It's just a great time to be a Star Trek and a five-year mission fan. Oh, God. It really is. You know, new shows and new albums are in the works, and I'm proud to announce the latest show coming our way in the very near future. It may sound familiar, but it's oh so unique in its own way, man. Five-year mission. You know, oh man, they had it all. Success, great albums, fans for the ages. But something happened, Bill. Something went wrong. We don't know what it was with the if it was the Tribbles album or if it was Spock's brain, but something terrible happened and the drummer left the band. But now he's back. Twenty years later to face those demons and help oh help a young fan in trouble. Will we see Patrick again? Will we see Rittenhouse? Will we see one of the greatest threats to the Federation, who turns Spock's brain into the controller? Oh, the fear of the morgue and the iMorgue Bill. So get ready for new adventures coming soon on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It's Star Trek. Pifark. All that build up for that. No, it's
1: a, a new fun. decade. We're five years into this, and that's what you bring to the table. That was a lot Star of Trek P'Fark.
0: No, well, you know, it's oh, you got that energy right now because it was no longer Starling. I just, it's, I, I had to do something.
1: It's amazing because you look as old as Patrick Stewart does in that scene. <laughs> um, that you yeah. know, I, uh, I'm going to say welcome. so. We're going to start rating the the farkisms <laughs> all throughout 2020. Um, so far, that's the worst one of 2020.
0: Um, I guess I got nowhere to go but up.
1: (laughs) Maybe. You know, when you hit rock bottom, there's only two ways you can go. Straight up or sideways. I know where my money is. Of course, Dan, don't forget, you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to exclusive bonus content via Patreon. You can check out our annual T-shirt and our annual supporters pin designs for 2020 and even get raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with some great other perks, Dan.
0: Lots of other great perks. Uh, we'd also like to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. Thank you, Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Kricorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Tim Sardar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, and the glorious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins.
1: <laughs> thank you, C-3PO. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escadero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashion.
0: You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks podcast network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today.
1: Next week, Dan, now that Star Trek Picard is launched and is enjoying such wonderful success so far, it's time to tell our side of the story, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Oh, yes, it is, buddy. And what a story we have to tell. It was an honor and privilege to be invited out to the premiere a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. It was fun. And it was so much more than the red carpet and the Picard premiere. And we're going to share it all. Yep. Next week, We Done Gone Hollywood, yo, on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the podcast network known as Trek Geeks. How'd you like that? Wow.
1: You really screwed that up.
0: Um, (laughs) I I
1: want to take issue with We Done Gone Hollywood, yo. You spent 48 hours in Hollywood and, and you didn't even come back with anything that sounds like Hollywood i don't even know what hollywood's supposed to sound like clearly so (laughs) for more great star trek discussion we want everyone to check out the other member shows of the trek geeks podcast network uh rewind and five-year mission and discovering trek and pilot tracks and trek geeks game night now trek geeks picard live airing every sunday night on youtube and facebook live you can go to youtube.com slash trek geeks or facebook.com slash trek geeks for more details and of course for all the news on all the Star Trek SEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 204 of the wow. Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper.
0: There's coconut in that nebula.
1: How uh, about face? Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series.
0: Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: and DiscoveringTrek.com.
0: Bing bong! bing bong to the long time not hearing a bing bong bong so do these things just enter your brain spontaneously my wife just looks at me sometimes and is like where does this even come from
1: yeah i understand this feeling yeah.
0: like all too well yep and it just just stuff it just it's kind i don't i don't want to, it's going to sound mean when i say it it's it's it's, it's Tourette's. It just stuff pops out it just pops <laughs> out of my mouth <laughs> it's, the it's amazing not bad words, but you
1: know the amazing thing is is this is the filtered view. I can't imagine being inside your brain for the
0: unfiltered view, oh, yeah, Sue gets that all the time.
1: oh, yeah, oh that's what
0: loves about me, I'm thinking course
1: right <laughs> or she tolerates I don't know how good's a life insurance policy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah as you uh, as you mentioned, we've had about six weeks off since we've done trek geeks, um, and yeah. we've done some discovering Trek since then, mm-hmm. I did a a Picard Live beta test and a Picard Live episode, surprisingly. Yes. Um,
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. But it's been about six weeks since we've gotten behind the Trek Geeks mics. And uh, I feel like we got to learn how to do this all over again.
0: Well, we had the Renee thing, but that was different. That was very, very calm and, you know, sad and everything. This is our first real foray back into the woohoo. Go Trek Geeks. Go Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Go (laughs) Trek Geeks. That's really great, Dan. Yeah, thank you.
1: That's why... My contribution for the week. Oh, it's it's the first time for everything, so (laughs) uh, congratulations. Um, Yeah, so you know what? I'm really excited to talk about Voyager 25 today, more so than I was a year ago at this time.
0: I will say that I have been looking forward to this conversation for a while, because as we've talked about several times over the last year, my appreciation for it has just grown exponentially, so... I am very excited for this year's celebration, like right up there with Deep Space Nine celebration, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm That's really, really cool. excited about it. And yeah, and with all the things going on with Picard and, and Jerry Ryan being back and stuff like that, I just, I'm so excited about Voyager 25. They deserve this recognition. Absolutely. worked work hard at it. So I think it's great that it's here.
1: So let me ask you this. In, last week on the Rene Tribute, we talked about your Deep Space Nine print and how, sadly, you won't ever be able to have Rene sign it. Yeah. Are you going to do a Voyager print and have the cast sign that?
0: I haven't thought about it, but I certainly am not saying no to that. I think it's yeah. something that I probably should do. I mean, I probably should have at least one that has all of them. I mean, i don't I'm not going to have TOS, obviously. TNG, probably not. Um, DS9 can't. Um, all the Voyager people are around, so I better get cracking.
1: Well, you you could conceivably wind up getting a, a TNG one. Um, you oh, never yeah. know. I mean, Patrick so infrequently does autographs, but Michael's you could get never every. At his desk. <laughs> <laughs> I did get him what year yes. before last?
0: Yeah, you did. Finally, I, I'm working, I am working hard on my Discovery one. That one's coming along well.
1: I I'm psyched that I pretty much finished my Discovery one.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um.
1: Autographs so did I'm you not. see they added the Nana to the Michelle Nichols farewell con this this week? I
0: saw that. They also added somebody else. I saw who was it? Um. I forget. They added somebody else, though. Um, oh, you're and, good. And I, I apologize that I don't remember who it was. I saw it today very quickly while I was in the middle of doing something at work. I'm going to look so, right now. Okay. Well, you do that, and I'll talk about things. Um, yeah. So his his Bill's poster's got a lot of Discovery signatures on it. Uh, Lots. Mine has, mine has a few, and they're getting better. Oh. It, it was Marina. There we go. Marina. Okay.
1: So, so far, although they also had Will Wheaton as a speaker, but... So there's Nichelle, there's Walter, there's Marina Sirtis, there's Doug Jones, there's Sonequa Martin-Green, there's Rekha Sharma, there's Rod Roddenberry, there's Will Wheaton speaking at the banquet, there's Nana Visitor, there's Michael Forrest, there's Herbert Jefferson Jr. from Battlestar Galactica, there's Chris Dewan from Star Trek Continues, Bobby Clark, the original Gorn, uh, Tanya Lamani from uh, Wolf in the Fold, uh, Tim Russ from Voyager, Sean Kenny who was... Uh, An extra in many things and played Captain Pike in the wheelchair. Barbara Luna. Who? Oh. Uh, Victor Brandt, who was Tongo Rad in uh, The Way to Eden. Michael Dante, who was uh, Mob in Friday's Child. Beverly Washburn, who was Galway in The Deadly Years. Uh, Felix Sia, who was Tweaky on Buck Rogers. Gary Lockwood, Sally Kellerman, France Nguyen, uh, Marriott Hartley. My God, there's going to be a lot of people there. Charlie Brill. From Trouble with Triples. Yes, yes, And also uh, Trials and from Tribulations. Tribulations, yep. And Gary Graham round out the guest list for Nichelle, oh, Nichelle Khan. Plus, there are special moderators like our dear friend Michelle Specht, mm-hmm. our other dear friend Larry Nemechek, Scott Mance, who blew us off once, <laughs> 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 Mike Okuda, Denise Akuda, Melinda Snodgrass, uh, David Gerald, Eric Stillwell, Joe Diagusta, all kinds of... Of Star Trek royalty at this con, and uh, and I'm going. So.
0: <laughs> I was going to say you forgot one person, Bill Ooh. Smith. <laughs> I, I'm not involved with the con.
1: I'm I've got press
0: pass. But you're going. I'm
1: going. But uh, oh, yeah. I'm, one,
0: you get one press pass. Now you got them all. all
1: right. <laughs> uh, you were offered. You decided to I, go to London instead.
0: I I know that, and I'm I'm okay with that. Pip pip. Uh, uh, I'm pip go to Down Abbey. Oh my God. Okay. So no 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 no. Say it right. I was going I'm gonna. But. Okay. For those who may not have heard, you know how I always have teased my wife about (laughs) Downton Abbey. Well, yeah. Well, over on New Year's Day, actually, we were sitting relaxing, and I just said, all right, I'm going to surprise her. Turned on the TV, threw up Downton Abbey episode one, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to watch episode one and see what I like. Oh, my God. It is the best effing show ever. I don't think, and I'm dead serious when I say this. I don't think I have ever been as emotionally attached to characters in a television show as I am with this show really oh my god it is so amazing i didn't care about the time frame it actually opens the day the titanic sinks so that gives you the time frame it's in the early 1900s i'm like i don't care about that time frame it's boring They're just getting electricity they don't have no cars oh my god it is so amazingly good so good i have cried more in this show than i can even care to admit really (laughs) oh god yeah
1: I'm yep. fascinated by this only because you mocked it for so long.
0: I know. I did. Yep. She still won't watch Lost, though. goddamn it. Well, it's because <laughs> Lost sucks, and so do you. <laughs> That's all right. I'm the, you know, I'm the better person by, you know, watching it. But it you're better it, than your wife. No, I'm sorry, is no, that no, what no, you're saying? no, not at all. No, no, no.
1: You're a better person because you watched Lost.
0: No, no. What a no, crock of watched, BS that, that is. Abbey. No. <laughs> I can't wait to tell her this. Oh, Michelle oh, she's probably listening right outside the door right now.
1: <laughs> you're a better person because you've seen Lost. I have heard it all. I've got it on tape.
0: It. I, I will say, if you have not watched Downton Abbey, watch it. I've never steered you wrong, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm so serious. It is really good, and I apologize to all the people that uh, were offended by my making fun of Downton Abbey because it is a treasure.
1: Your face is a treasure.
0: Downton Abbey podcast coming soon. From Coconut Media Works. <laughs> That's right. And the
1: Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> So as Mission Log gets Love Vote and we get Downton Abbey. There you uh,
0: go. I don't <laughs> like this.
1: I want uh, I want Buck Rogers in a parlay.
0: I like that. We could we could do that.
1: Ranger three, a Buck Rogers podcast. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Very nice call. I
1: may have already thought about this, but
0: uh, yeah, so you, uh,
1: not often. Are you ready yeah. to do this, Jerk? I am. Let's do it, man. Good to be back in the chair. Yeah, sure. Uh. Although now we have our first outtake for next year's outtake special, so...